Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus, get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details. This is Paige, the co-host of Giggly Squad, and I want to tell you about a company that I've been loving, Olive and June. Olive and June gives you everything that you need for a salon-quality manicure in one box. And if you break it down, it really comes out to $2 a manicure, which is absolutely insane. It's also so easy to get salon-worthy nails at home with Olive and June. The difference between how your nails used to look when you did them yourself and now with the Manny system is a complete game changer. The best thing about Olive and June, too, is it's a quick dry. Dries in about one minute, lasts for five days, and full coverage in up to one to two coats. Visit oliveandjune.com slash perfectmanny20 for 20% off your first system. That's oliveandjune.com slash perfectmanny20 for 20% off your first system. When you're ready to pop the question, the last thing you want to do is second-guess the ring. At BlueNile.com, you can design a one-of-a-kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online. Choose your diamond and setting. When you find the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health Right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out mom's menu with festive rosé irresistible berry chantilly cake and more special treats come celebrate mother's day at whole foods market hey guys it's candace and kayla and we are directionally challenged yeah we have it all figured out. We nope. Will, nope. <laughs> we don't even have our opening figured out yet. And we've done it a million times. But it's okay. Guys, we're in our 30s and we're still figuring it out. And that's totally all right. This week, we're sitting down with Jane Wynn. Jane lives here in LA. And if you've ever wanted to look out your window and get inspired to figure out how you can improve your own local community. Um, Jane is here to do that today. We first read about Jane when LA Magazine listed out 11 people here locally in LA to watch in 2020. She has been working as an, a wedding photographer in the LA OC area. But now she has started an organization called K-Town for All, and it's a grassroots volunteer-run neighborhood organization that does weekly outreach in response to the anti-shelter protests that started in May of 2018. The point of today's conversation is we, Kayla and I both live in L.A., and there is a huge homeless population. It's really hard to talk about the homelessness crisis here in Los Angeles because obviously there needs to be more shelters. There are also a lot of communities that are apprehensive of having shelters within their boundaries, in their neighborhoods. Um, that is something that we're obviously going to discuss with Jane. Um, and there's also like the big conversation of mental health. And the reality is, is it's very hard when you walk down the street and you see someone who is homeless and it's easy to make a lot of assumptions of how that person got there. And that is a conversation that is not really easily brought up at the dinner table. Mm -hmm. um, and Kayla, you've grown up in California a really long time. It's always been a part of 
the community, to be quite honest. And I know, Candice, when you and I did our live um, podcast with Harvest Home, we spoke to an alumni member who found herself in a place where she was homeless and pregnant. And she was very candid about her experience and how she just was a normal person like you or I and found herself in dire uh, circumstances and ended up on the streets. And I think um, more often than not, that can also be the case. And this is a conversation that I don't know where to go from there. Yeah, I, I don't know where to go from here either. <laughs> and But what I love about Jane is that she saw right outside of her windows in her community that there was an increase in the homeless population. She saw the community wanted to do something about it. And then there was a part of the community that didn't want to do anything about it. Mm -hmm. And so she's gotten really, really, really involved in her local politics because she wants her voice to be heard. And that is a powerful thing. And I keep feeling like, well, you know, sure, okay, maybe I'll vote, but, you know, I'll try to keep up with like the major elections. But now I'm starting to realize in adulthood how important it is to pay attention to what's going on directly in front of your house, like what's going on in your local community that you can also have a voice that makes really big impacts as long as you're using it and and wanting to put yourself out there to make a difference. And also, I think the idea that even just voting for a proposition that you believe in, you want to follow up and make sure the money is actually going to make a difference, because that's also something Jane is addressing, is it's not just about um, voting for something and the funding, it's how the funding is being used. So we want to sit down with her and we are so excited for our conversation. We have so many questions about <laughs> what is a city council? I actually know nothing about the city council <laughs> at all. Do you, Kayla? Absolutely not. Okay. And that's what's, what's inspiring about Jane is that she, um, you know, gets up and goes to her council meetings and she makes a difference just one person at a time. So without further ado, <laughs> we're about to learn a lot. We're going to sit down with someone who's here local in our community and ask some questions that we're maybe a little bit embarrassed to ask because we don't know the answers. And that's OK. Mm -hmm. Our whole point of this is to open up a discussion and, and to let you know that you can get out there and make a difference. Without further ado, guys, here's Jane. And we are here with Jane Wynn. Jane, thank you so much for joining us today. Yeah, thank you so much for having me. And even though you're Skyping in, um, you live here locally in L.A. I live in Koreatown. Yeah. Love that. I was just there at the Wiltern last week, had a whole fun Koreatown night out, which was very fun. I love that Did part. Did you see Dashboard Confessional by um, Yes. Did you? No, it was sold out, but that's amazing. <laughs> it was awesome. We were joking that it was like such an old audience for any of our young listeners. Dashboard Confessional was like a huge band in the early thousands. And there was at one point at the concert on Friday where the singer was like, hey, guys, isn't it crazy how time flies by? And then like you're old and everyone was like, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, so it was a really epic time. <laughs> wow. That's um, really cool. We were so excited to talk to you because specifically about K-Town, uh, how long have you lived there? Um, about four years now. Where were you living before then? So I was living in Dana Point, actually. So my whole, I guess, journey is kind of convoluted because I went to school at USC um, and then I went back home to the suburbs of Chicago. And then I came back here to L.A. I was in Dana Point for like one or two years. And then I uh, settled in Koreatown when I got a job. Did you happen to just drive by a protest? How did your anti-protest come about? I worked at, my office space was located literally across the street from where the protests were happening. Um, and so I was living a few blocks away as well and seeing all these protests happening in my neighborhood, I felt like I had to do something about it. Um, and at one point the protests were, they were marching down like underneath my building. So I was like looking out from my office building and I saw like all of these protesters and the signs and like there was mariachi band for some reason. Um, so yeah, like it was happening literally across the street from where I worked. So I felt like I had to do something. And, and these protests essentially were about the building of a homeless shelter locally in the area. Yeah. So, um, the city proposed building a homeless shelter in, um, Koreatown 
And this is a uh, Korea town is pretty small neighborhood. It's 2.7 square miles. It's incredibly dense. And uh, there are at the time that the shelter was being proposed, there were around um, 300 to 400 uh, homeless people in the neighborhood. And now, um, almost two years later, it's uh, jumped to over at least at least 600, I would say. So um, the homeless population is skyrocketing in Koreatown, and it felt incredibly necessary for there to be a homeless shelter. Why was this group particularly protesting? Were they Because they, they were opposing the shelter, correct? Yes. So they opposed the shelter. And the reasons that they gave, um, I believe, are disingenuous. They were saying that there needs to be more community input. Um, the community wasn't consulted. It was a bad location. Um, and so, you know, the stated reasons didn't really quite match some of the rhetoric um, in which they were saying that uh, it's a uh, a bad location because there are schools nearby. We have to keep seniors safe, um, property values. Um, and so like a lot of the rhetoric was really demonizing, um, people experiencing homelessness. Um, and so I feel like no matter the level of community input, they, they never would have been okay with having a homeless shelter in Koreatown. And were you volunteering at the time? Like, was this something that you were involved with? in at all? Or were you just minding your own business at the office? And then it's literally just like right in front of your face where you can't really ignore it at that point. Yeah, I had nothing to do with homelessness at that time. I mean, I didn't even know anyone who was working in the homeless services field. Um, I just felt like I had to do something because when the first protest happened. Um, I saw on Twitter that there was one person who counter-protested, and um, his name is Johnny Lee. He is a business owner in Koreatown, and there were hundreds of people at that protest, and it was just Johnny with his sign that said, um, Koreatown, choose love. And that was just um, incredibly courageous to me mm -hmm. to see just one person standing up amongst all of that. And I contacted Johnny on Instagram and I was like, I'm going to join you. If there's another protest, I'll be there. And so um, they were planning another protest the following week. So I went on Facebook. I made a Facebook event page um, because that's all I knew how to do. I never, I don't know how to like organize protests or anything. So I just made a Facebook event page and I invited like as many people as I could in the area. Um, and it was, uh, it was quite bad because, uh, on the morning of that protest, I, I went out there, I dragged my boyfriend with me. Um, I met up with Johnny and there were like five other people. So it was like eight of us against a crowd of hundreds. Um, it was terrifying. <laughs> Wow. But good for you because it went from one person, Johnny Lee, to now eight. So each yeah. little step does make a difference. Yeah, yeah. So um, the eight of you arrive with your signs and there's you're op opposing hundreds of other people. Now, do you join them on the same side of the street? Do you decide to go on the opposite side of the street? What are the logistics of this? Yeah, we didn't really know how to navigate any of that. It was just they were kind of congregating around like a semicircle. And so we stood um, in front of them with our signs. Um, so, yeah, it was like it's um, at Wilshire and Vermont train station. So it's like a pretty large area and there was still room for people to like walk past. So it was just like us facing them. Yeah, I guess there's not really like, I mean, you can Google it, I guess, like how to properly protest in a, <laughs> an impactful way. <laughs> like, you know, yeah, I guess you kind exactly. of just have to learn as you go. Yeah, exactly. But once you got there and you realized that you'd like made that first step, um, you could have just gone home and been like, OK, well, that was fun. You know, we did it. We we made signs and the eight of us protested. What made you think, oh, no, I have to keep going. I have to see this through. Well, um, we didn't go home because uh, Johnny owns a pizza company. So uh, we went to get pizza afterwards, um, the eight of us, and we were just plotting our next steps. And uh, we were thinking like, you know, they're going to keep escalating. And so we have to counter this, you know, just the few of us. Um, and so we decided that we're going to keep protesting them. Um, if they're going to protest, we'll protest them. And so it just 
became like this series of protests and counter protests. And we were getting more people on our side. Um, but obviously, we're not as well funded as the opposition. Like, it's just a ragtag group of neighbors, you know, none of us had any experience doing this. And so we were just like, you know, being scrappy, just trying to get people together, um, posting stuff on Facebook, Twitter, um, and just trying to get as many people as we could. And so the following week, we got like 50 or so people, which is an improvement. Absolutely. Yeah. And then the week after that, it was like 100 people. So but yeah, it was just um, it started with eight of us and then um, 50 and then 100. And so when it was 100 people, we're like, okay, we did it. We're, we're awesome at this. Um, but the other side, they had thousands. Mm. So they had thousands of people marching down um, Wilshire and they closed off the entire street. You know, it, it, at some point it became like, what's the point of all of this? Just all of these protests and counter protests. It's like, there has to be more to come from this. And so we started doing um, more outreach to the unhoused community after that. So then do you ask for donations for outreach or how do you guys go about doing your outreach? You just walk. Is it really just boots on the ground where you have a few supplies and you walk up to, um, you know, the friends you've made and that do end up on the streets and just hand out items or what's the outreach look like? Yeah, that's exactly what it is. Um, when we first started, it was just um, us handing out like peanut butter and jelly sandwiches, some water, um, hygiene supplies, like wet wipes that we could gather. And so now that we've been doing it for over a year, uh, we're a bit more sophisticated in our outreach methods and our ability to um, gather supplies and donations. And so we have a Venmo now um, in which people can donate. And we've been doing like uh, fundraisers and people invite us to um, uh, benefit shows and they try to uh, raise money for us. And so we do have um, some more supplies and money that we could spend on on more wet wipes and we can spend money on um, more high price items like tents or blankets, sleeping bags, socks. And what is that Venmo in case anyone's listening and wants to go on their Venmo right now? It's K-Town for all. So K-Town F-O-R-A-L-L. Awesome. And that's also the name of your organization that you have developed, correct? Yes. K-Town for all. So what do you, uh, Candace and I were talking about this earlier and you, um, have mentioned going to your community, um, city council, city meetings. council, and, um, it's something that we don't know much about. So what inspires you to like go to the meetings? Do you prepare for these meetings? Do you go weekly? What talk to us about that? Yeah, well, city council has, um, meetings, um, maybe three days per week. Uh, so the schedule varies sometimes and you have to go on the city council website to check out the agenda. Um, and sometimes they will just like cancel meetings, you know, but, uh, city council has, um, these meetings that take place in the middle of the day. It's like, it starts at 10 in the morning, um, on weekdays to make sure that it's like, you know, convenient for everyone who's right. working. Yeah. I'm like, geez. <laughs> yeah. Um, but, um, and so sometimes they will, um, propose, they will vote on certain legislation that they've proposed. Um, and often a lot of the legislation is really horrible. Like for example, uh, one time they were voting to renew a ban that makes it illegal to sleep in your car in most parts of Los Angeles and practically like, you know, anywhere in Los Angeles. And so when they do like these horrible things, we have to show up and we have to, um, speak out against the ordinances that they're about to vote on. So, you know, a lot of the times it's, um, it doesn't leave us a lot of room to prepare because the agenda goes up like just a few days before the hearing. And so we have to scramble and we have to, um, try to organize as many people to turn out as possible. And that's really difficult because it's in the middle of the day on a weekday. And so often people have to take time off of work mm-hmm. or take time off of school to attend these meetings and give public comment. Do you and, think they schedule it like this on purpose? Yeah, I think it's intentional. I think city council tries to make their process as opaque as possible to discourage people, um, working class people from coming out and participating. Um, but 
we have to try our best and get as many people out as possible. Um, and so each person gets one minute to give public comment and you sign up at a kiosk, um, when you first enter the chamber room and you wait for your name to be called. Um, and you get one whole minute to, um, say whatever you want. Um, and so that's not a lot of time. Yeah, it's not. And and they often don't really care either. You know, you have, um, city council members who are just like on their phones or they're nodding off or they're leaving because they don't really want to hear about how we feel about their criminalization ordinances. Um, so in that particular example, when they renewed the car drawing ban, um, about like 60 of us gave public comment. So it was like an hour of comment. And then after we said our piece, they immediately voted to renew it anyway, without any public discussion, they unanimously, unanimously voted to renew the car drawing ban. And um, what is, and, what benefits them like that? I guess that's the question for the opposition from the opposition is that, um, like what, why would this necessarily like what struck accord in you that this was an important issue of the idea of that you're not allowed to sleep in your car? Like what happens if someone is caught sleeping in their car then? Well, uh, they can get tickets. And then if they don't pay their tickets, they could have their car towed. And we've seen that with many people in Koreatown who are living on in the tent because their cars got towed because mm. they can't pay the fines. And so if you make it illegal to sleep in your car, people are going to end up losing their cars and they're mm. going to end up sleeping on tent, which is way worse for everyone. And that's and then there's the group of people that are like, well, we don't want you sleeping in tents. And it's like, well, if, if you hadn't ticketed me for just sleeping in my car, well, I'm trying to at least figure that out because a lot of people also yeah. need cars to be able to get around to a job. And I, I see what you mean. It's it's the chain event that comes from that. And I'm sure that's something that you never thought of before getting involved in this issue within your community. Is this something you'd ever thought of before? Yeah, I had no idea. I mean, I didn't know that there are so many laws that make it practically like impossible to survive on the streets or in your car. Um, I didn't know because like, I thought that the city had it under control. Like I thought that our elected officials knew what they were doing. And then when I started doing outreach, that's when I realized that uh, people really, really need help and they need people advocating on their behalf. Otherwise, the city is just going to continue their brutal practices of criminalizing people for being poor. And speaking of so, that, you also discussed that there's a there's weekly sweeps on the streets as well, right? Meaning that they then try to clear out whoever and whatever is on the streets. Yeah. So, and they meaning the police, police officers, correct? Um, it's kind of complicated because the sweep teams are composed of sanitation, lots of outreach workers and sometimes police. Okay. And so, the, we had fought for a while for there to be no police present because um, it doesn't really help the situation. Often escalates the situation, makes things more tense, stressful for everyone. And so we were successful in um, getting the police off of these cleanup teams. But now, after one month of trying that, city council has reverted back to the old model in which um, police are present. And these sweeps are... Um, you know, it's like garbage trucks, um, a team of like a dozen sanitation workers and hazmat suits surrounding tents um, and basically just sometimes just uh, throwing away everything that people will have. Mm. Um, and so I didn't realize that any of this was happening until I started doing outreach and talking to my neighbors who are homeless. And that's when I realized that, you know, they were they were telling us. You know, there's one man that uh, we met. His name was Joe, and he was like the nicest guy um, in the world, just so outgoing and friendly. And then one week after we first met him, um, he lost everything. So he didn't even have any his clothes. He lost his heart medication. He lost his tent and blankets, and he lost like everything that he had. Um, and so that was like a wake up call for me. I was like, this is horrifying what the city is doing to people. Um, and then to know that this was happening regularly, um, throughout the entire city, um, that just really just made me motivated to, 
um, push back against this. Mm -hmm. And for the people on the opposing side, like I say, I mean, I understand you know, a neighborhood where they're saying, oh, we've got kids and we paid all this money for this house. And, you know, we don't want someone sleeping on the sidewalk in front of our home when we're leaving to take our kids to school. I understand, you know, where that where that person would be coming from. Have you been able to have discussions with members of the community on that side and come to an understanding? Is that where you're also saying, then why can't we build a shelter right here? Because then there is somewhere for everyone. There is a place someone can go to yeah. to live and stay. I know exactly right. It's always like the people who are complaining about the presence of tents who also don't want the shelters, which makes no sense. Mm-hmm. Um, and so we know that the solution to these things is housing. It's not ticketing people for having a tent up and it's not ticketing people for living in their cars. Uh, People need a place to live. They need a roof over their heads. And so um, while we're dealing with the reality of there being like a massive shortage of housing in Los Angeles, we need to tackle this from a public health um, perspective. So we need to provide bathrooms for people and we need to provide actual uh, garbage pickup, not sweeps that just confiscate people's property, but actual garbage pickup. We need to clean the sidewalks um, because right now they often don't clean the sidewalks. They just make people move their things um, and then they spray a little bit of bleach. There's no actual power washing of the sidewalks. Um, And we need hand washing stations and just basic things that people need to maintain their health and hygiene. Um, showers, for example, uh, because in the city of Los Angeles, there's currently 27,000 people who are unsheltered and only 31 toilets for people to use. Uh, So there are so many things that we can be doing to improve public health. Um, And if you have a problem with someone sleeping um, on the sidewalk, you know, there are already rules in place that say that you have to keep the sidewalk ADA compliant. So make sure that there's enough room on the sidewalk for strollers and wheelchairs to pass through. Um, so yeah, it's uh, we're dealing with an unprecedented humanitarian crisis right now. And the solution to it is not police and ticketing people. What do you think the solution to it is? The solution to it is housing. Um, and in the interim shelters. Mm-hmm. Um, but and, and the way to get there is, I believe it's through um, neighbors who care and people who are going out, talking to their homeless neighbors and seeing what they can do to advocate for solutions in their neighborhood. And just a reminder to all of our listeners, this is nothing that you studied. This is not what you were like, one day I'm going to know everything about my two mile radius community and know all the things about city council. Like this is just something that is that you've discovered recently that you're really passionate about changing um, within your community. And what keeps you going? Like now, what keeps you going, I guess, every single day? Yeah, well, I feel like, you know, there's there's so much suffering um, right outside on our streets. And there's a lot that we can do um, as individuals to alleviate that suffering. And so we we get texts from people all the time, um, people who lost their tent or they need a blanket um, because if they don't have those things then they're going to, you know, possibly die of hypothermia. And so those are very basic things that we can provide immediately. Um, and then beyond that, we also have the power to, well, we have the privilege of being able to call our city council members. Um, and we have, you know, social media. So we have like internet access. We can get the word out and we can really fight for real solutions and we can also vote, for example. Um, so, uh, we are so incredibly privileged compared to people who are living on the streets right now. And there's a lot of very easy things that we can do immediately to help. Speaking of voting, you're really involved in your local elections. I, I, what have you what has been like the number one thing you've learned by getting more involved with voting locally? Well, I know everyone's really focused on the presidential primaries right now, but um, it's amazing how much power city council has and 
if you focus on your city council election, there's a lot more impact that you can have um, to improve the lives of people within your neighborhood. Um, and so I would really recommend that people look into who their current city council member is. And, you know, we can vote for ordinances and things like that. But um, I think a, a really important thing is to see where the funding is going. Do you see, because there's a lot of different um, laws that we have in LA to help fund homelessness, but I think the problem is not, we don't really necessarily see the outcome of that. And um, do you find that voting for an ordinance that says it's going to have help with the homeless crisis and then not really necessarily seeing the benefits, how, how do we kind of, I don't know. I guess I just feel a, an overall frustration in the fact that we you can vote for something and then it doesn't necessarily happen. Like wanting to see the change. Wanting to see the change, but not seeing it. Yeah. Yeah. And it's really demoralizing because we tax ourselves $1.2 billion over the next 10 years to build uh, homeless housing. And we've only had the first building come up three years later. And so it's really an issue of holding our elected officials accountable. Um and right now, they're not accountable to us. They're accountable to um, wealthy corporations yeah. and donors who fund their campaign. So, yeah, I mean, I I think that it's important to vote in new people who have the experience to actually solve the homelessness crisis. Um, and while they're in office, um, you should you should call them up. And, you know, give them a piece of your mind. What do you say? Like, that's the thing. I'm like, okay. And then what do you say? Like, hey, I'm upset. Like, I I just never know what to say when it's like, call your representatives. I think I've done it once. And like, I'm already bad on the phone with my friends. Like, it's really (laughs) embarrassing. If you catch me on a phone call, I just start talking and rambling like this. And then my my voice is usually pretty high and I don't really know what I'm saying. (laughs) Um, But what kind of topics do you call in with? Like, what is that first step for anyone that's scared of like, okay, once I get them on the phone, what do I say to a human person on the other line? Yeah, well, their job is to listen to you and to take down your comment. Um, Their job is not to argue with you. So you don't have to really be scared of that. Mm. Um, But to to keep it in perspective, they get so many calls from people who are angry about encampments, who want the encampments to disappear by any means necessary. So what we can do is we can advocate for compassionate solutions, like housing, shelters, showers, and bathrooms, um, and not police and not these, um, terrifying sweeps. So that's, that's something that they usually don't ever get. Like I, I called one council member in, um, district six, which is not in my district. And they were probably like, I've never received this phone call before. Like I've never heard anyone say, I, I want the sweeps to stop. I want actual compassionate solutions. Mm -hmm. So just making that one phone call can make a huge difference. Jane, that's what's so great about you is you see something that can be done. And instead of just going, oh, I'll get to it at some point or I'll you, you just do it. And um, our world needs more people like you. And I hope that you continue to encourage us and everyone else around you to just change our mentality and know that like one simple act can create a chain of events. We're going to take a quick break. We'll be right back in just a minute. This is Paige, the co-host of Giggly Squad, and I want to tell you about a company that I've been loving, Olive and June. Olive and June gives you everything that you need for a salon-quality manicure in one box. And if you break it down, it really comes out to $2 a manicure, which is absolutely insane. It's also so easy to get salon-worthy nails at home with Olive and June. The difference between how your nails used to look when you did them yourself and now with the Manny system is a complete game changer. The best thing about Olive and June, too, is it's a quick dry. Dries in about one minute, lasts for five days, and full coverage in up to one to two coats. Visit oliveandjune.com slash perfectmanny20 for 20% off your first system. That's oliveandjune.com slash perfectmanny20 for 20% off your first system. A lot can happen in three years, like a chatbot may be your new best friend. 
But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage that lasts nearly three years in some states. Learn more at UH1.com. If you're looking for plump lips that last, you need to know about Juvederm Lip Fillers. With Juvederm Volbella XC and Juvederm Ultra XC, your lip look, whether it's subtle or bold, can last up to one full year with optimal treatment and no additional maintenance. Find a licensed specialist and see if it's right for you at Juvederm.com today. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com. Add fullness to lips in adults over 21 with Juvederm Volbella XC or Juvederm Ultra XC. Do not use if you have severe allergies or a history of severe allergic reactions, or if you're you're allergic to lidocaine or the proteins used in Juvederm. Tell your doctor if you have a history of scarring or taking medicines that decrease the body's immune response or that can prolong bleeding. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. As with all fillers, there's a rare risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. For full, important safety information, visit Juvederm.com. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health Right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. It's time to get more in 2024. I know for me, one of my goals is to feel really strong this year. And honestly, so far, so good. Because that's where 310 Nutrition comes in. It's helping me and our listeners in the new year with protein and super rich food products with so many options and flavors. Right now I have the chocolate bliss and caramel sundae and they are both so (laughs) delicious. I have to hide them from my husband so that he doesn't steal them too. They're a triplex protein blend, plant-based proteins that include pea, brown rice, and pumpkin that leave me feeling full. 310 Nutrition also has a hydrate electrolyte drink mix. My favorite is the peach mango flavor. So not only am I hydrating and drinking water, I have an electrolyte blend, vitamin blend, and it's sugar-free. With one stick of hydrate mix into 16 ounces of water, and it can provide the same amount of hydration equal to drinking two to three bottles of water. Thank you. This way I can keep my resolution, keep feeling strong, have greater focus, feel refreshed, and maintain my hydration without having to drink as much. One of my favorite refreshing water enhancers they have is the lemonade flavor. It gives me energy. This one's also sugar-free. It's used with real lemons and it's pH balanced. And this also offers the same hydration as two to three bottles of water. Right now, 310 is celebrating a new year of goals with code CHALLENGED and giving our listeners 50% off up to $100 for your first order. With so many sample packs, new products, it's really fun and easy to put together an order or start a subscription on products that you know you'll use and will help you keep your resolution. So go to 310nutrition.com and use the code CHALLENGE right now for 50% up to $100 for your first order. That's 310-nutrition.com and use code CHALLENGED. It's all the good stuff your body needs in flavors you crave. So be healthier effortlessly. we're back. What do you tell if you have a friend that's like, you know, this just seems like a waste of time. Like, I don't know. I'm, it just seems like a lot. And I I just can't, I'm too busy right now to deal with it. What is something that you would tell that friend or that group of people that feel like they're too busy to make a difference or their, their little action, small actionable step wouldn't make a difference in the big run of things? Well, I would probably tell them about our one friend who um, came to outreach with us one time. He, so this man has been homeless in Koreatown for over eight years. And then 
he got off the streets recently because he was on this CNN video. Like we connected him to CNN and he went viral. And so he was able to get off the streets because a friend, a Yale um, classmate of his um, was able to. I saw this on the news. Oh, so our producer, Melissa, is nodding her head too. I know exactly what you're talking about. Yeah, yeah. So what Um, happened for those who did not see it? Well, he was homeless in Koreatown for over eight years, um, and he is also a Yale graduate. He worked in Wall Street, and he had his own business, and then things just went south, and he ended up on the streets. And we um, we were friends with him, and we visited him like every week. And so CNN reached out to us because they wanted to um, our perspective on like Trump's homelessness policy. And so we were like, instead of talking to us, you should talk to our friend who is currently homeless to hear what he has to say. And so when CNN interviewed him, like they, you know, that story was just gold for them because it's like he is a Yale um, alumni and he's currently homeless. And so uh, when that story aired, um, his former Yale classmates were um, able to connect him to housing. And um, so now he's uh, living in a guest house from his uh, of his former Yale classmate, and he's, um, he's doing really well now. And so he joined us for outreach uh, last week, and he just couldn't stop tearing up because he was saying, like, it, it doesn't seem like we're doing that much, like just going up to people. Like it seems, it may seem frivolous, um, but it's not at all. Like it, it really transformed um, his life. And it really, um, just seeing us every week, like really helped him. Um, and so it may seem like what we're doing um, in just going out and providing people with wet wipes, blankets or whatever, it seems like such a small gesture, but just including people and making them feel seen, um, advocating for them is really important. And I'm sure it's been such a beautiful way to get to know other people within from all walks of your community and all coming together to do this wonderful thing. You guys meet up every week, I think. I saw on your Facebook page to do Uh this outreach. For our listeners who want to get involved, now we've talked about the Venmo, uh, K-Town for All, that they can donate and they'll know that their donations are going um, to really good use. Um, and then how and how else can they get a hold of you guys and um, be a part of this movement? You can also go on our website, ktownforall.org, and you can click on the volunteer button and sign up. And um, one of us, um, our uh, volunteer person, Nick Price, who's amazing. He will reach out to you and he will make sure that you uh, will get plugged in and that you'll be able to uh, volunteer your talents and skills however you see fit. And for our younger listeners as well that are not 18, I just want to clarify, you should you should talk to your parents if you <laughs> want to volunteer. Um, and then also just, you know, this just being realistic of you guys meet up together, you guys go out in a group, you meet people that you've gotten to know over the years. Um, Are there also just uh, precautionaries that you have for our listeners that want to get involved where you're like, well, hold on, just don't like start running up to random people. Um, Because that it's also like could be an invasion of their space as well. Is there Uh are there boundaries that you've learned along the way? Yeah, of course. Um, And before we go out, we always uh, give like a you know, our best practices for how to do outreach. And it's often like very, you know, common sense things. It's like, um, don't um, ask prying questions, you know, don't make people feel uncomfortable. Don't engage in racist, sexist, uh, or exclusionary language. Um, and often, you know, we, we don't really have any problems or anything. It's just um, being respectful. Um and we go out with um, others. It's like each group has, you know, at least three people um, and it's in the middle of the day. And so it's it's never really like safety is never really a, a huge concern at all. It's often um, we want to make people feel respected, the people who we are engaging with. And so that often um, entails um, not doing things that 
they don't consent with. For example, not um, calling the cops, <laughs> um, not calling um, agencies um, without their permission, for example. Is now you've been doing this for how many years or is, it was just 2018, I think, when this all yeah, summer of 2018. So it's been like a year and a half yeah. or almost two years. Is there something that you'd want to tell um, your, like yourself from three years ago before you'd started doing any of this that you had no idea what to expect? Like what's something that you can, you've already um, taken away and that will, you'll hold close to your heart from just reaching out and being so involved with your community? Like what has it brought to your life at this point? Um. Well, I think the most amazing thing from doing this is seeing how many compassionate and empathetic people there are in my community. I think it can feel um, alienating at first, um, not knowing people in your neighborhood. And um, and when the protests happened, it was so you know demoralizing. But then seeing like just all of the people who continue to dedicate so much of their time and energy to K-Town for All uh, has been just the most amazing thing ever. And so if you start something like this in your own neighborhood, um, you you will uh, be sure to, you know, meet the most amazing people. And some of the kindest people are really the people who are currently homeless. Mm-hmm. Um, so, yeah, I definitely think that it's it's a very simple thing that you can do. Just um, just start your own outreach group. And if you need any advice, you can reach out to me and you can go on ketownforall.org and contact us. And, and you can also join us for outreach. Um, we meet every Saturday except the first Saturday of the month uh, at 2 o'clock at Emmanuel Presbyterian Church. So, yeah, um, join us and we'll just... We'll give you a rundown on how to do it. Jane, you're so inspiring. Where can our listeners find you personally in case they want to reach out to just you? Uh, you can go on my Twitter. It's at the glowing stars. Um, and my email is jane.socal at gmail.com. So, yeah. Well, thank you so much. Your wedding photography is beautiful, by the way. <laughs> oh, since I know you. that's also what you do. Um, it, it's just been such a joy at being able to talk with you and thank you for listening to our questions and answering them so beautifully. And it really is inspiring. This is something that um, you just decided to change within your local community. And that's something that Kayla and I have talked about a lot lately. Mm-hmm. So thanks for inspiring us and our listeners today. Okay. Thank you so much for having me. It was such a joy talking to both Yay, of you. Thank you. Thanks. I just have to keep reminding myself that Jane, this is not her full time job. This is just something that she couldn't turn away from. And another big reminder of just getting involved in your local elections. What's remarkable about her story is how simple it is, how quite simple she she just saw a counter protester and reached out via social media and then they became friends and how slowly person by person it's built up now into an organization that has hundreds of people involved and how simple it is. Yeah. I'm so proud of her. And something we missed discussing was that the the shelter ended up not being built in the community. So the counter protesters were on the losing side. And the fact that they didn't just like pack their bags and be like, well, I guess we tried. Mm-hmm. And they instead continued to develop things like their outreach program and continue to involve their community members. And is just so wonderful. And it's another reminder that like something that starts so small. I mean, they changed this man's life Mm -hmm. by connecting him with CNN. And now he's back up on his feet. I mean, it's we all just have to remember it's those small little choices that we make that can turn into really big, impactful, life changing, world changing things. Sometimes the world feels so big that it's almost overwhelming and you feel like you're such a small cog and such a massive wheel that you don't make a difference. Anything you do has no repercussions, but it's really not true. Jane has proven us, proven that to us. Yes. And we asked you on our Instagram, what are little things you guys like to do within your community to make a difference? So we want to take a second to honor you, some of our listeners who are making a difference all the time. Uh, Cassie Meyer 
you volunteer with your local library working with teens on different projects. That's a great idea. Yeah. Yeah. That, I love that so much. And, um, and Powell 0113, um, she says, she says she does something very simple. She gives strangers compliments and she loves see, seeing how it brightens their day and gives them smiles. So even if you don't have anything physically to give, there really is just kindness to give. And she proves that. Linux 912, you like to make gifts for people, even if it's not their birthday or a holiday. You just like to make little presents and give them to people that you love. And that is really special. That I mean, it's all about brightening people's day. And that is a great thing. We don't have to wait for like a, a big celebration. Holly R. Carolyn, you buy local. You say you like buy, buying local honey jams and art from local artists. And I think that's so smart because that in turn just continues to cycle and support all your local family. TCBC, you collect items for your local zoo. Um, What are these items? Now I have to Google like how I can like collect items for the animal sanctuaries at the local zoo. That's so fun. We have a listener, Orpita, and she currently is working as a volunteer in a local hospital. And I think that is phenomenal. Um, She says it's exhausting, but extremely satisfying. And I think that is what volunteer work usually is. It's always worth it in the end. Juliet Swifty, you said, I don't know if it's exactly what we mean, but you just told your teacher that you love her classes. You know what? (laughs) I think that is actually really beautiful. Teachers work so hard and give so much. So just saying something is simple is that you enjoy their class, I'm sure really does brighten their day. Yeah. That is really sweet. And I think that's the point of all this is like every little thing helps. So if we all do little things to give back to our community and volunteer, then it truly just, just does make the world a better place. It sounds cheesy, but it's true. But it's true. Um, we hope you guys enjoyed our discussion with Jane. She is truly inspiring and we hope that you feel inspired to just continue to give back to your community as well. Check out our show notes if you want to get involved with Kate town for all. We love you guys. We love our directionally challenged family. Take care of yourselves and each other. Bye. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Mom deserves better than a drugstore card. This Mother's Day, surprise her with a truly special personalized card from Moonpig. Add your favorite photos, a heartfelt message, and we'll even mail it for you the same day, all for just $5. From mom to grandma, we have something to celebrate every mom in your life. Every mom deserves a Moonpig card. Get 50% off your first card at Moonpig.com. Moonpig.com Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market.